Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Holly Black, who's returning to the subject of fairies, which she explored in her first novel, Tithe and its sequels, in her forthcoming young adult novel, The Darkest Part of the Forest. It's being published in January by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Darkest Part of the Forest is set in the town of Fairfold, which has become a tourist destination thanks to the population of fairies and other magical creatures living in the nearby forest. Among the town's attractions is a glass coffin that has held a sleeping fairy prince for decades, prince that twins Hazel and Ben have both been in love with for years. After the prince mysteriously awakens, it sets in motion a chain of events with significant consequences for the siblings, their friends, and the town at large. Holly, thanks for speaking with me. Thanks for having me. So the last time I spoke with you on the podcast, uh, we talked about uh, The Coldest Girl in Cold Town, uh, which started out as a, a short story. Does this book have similar origins at all? It doesn't. It, uh, it just, I had this idea um, really of an image and that was the sort of fairy prince is horned, you know, in this this glass coffin sleeping and then um, glass and um, debris and like old beer cans and all of this stuff sort of scattered around the coffin from like generations of kids going out there to party around it. And this sort of, you know, this very fairy tale image combined with this very mundane sort of literary. Um, and that was my idea for it. And that was sort of the thing, the image that I was and the feeling that I was sort of chasing with the whole book. Mm-hmm. And was that imagery sort of something that had been kicking around your head for a while? Is this a story that has been kind of on the back burner for some time? Yeah, it was something that I wanted to do. I didn't know whether I had another fairy story I wanted to tell, but this image was just some like I felt like there was there was a story there and it would be a little bit different than the modern fairy tales. It would be a little bit different than Spider-Rick and so I you know, I wanted to do it. I know that um readers have been asking me to write a fairy book for a long time and and you know, the difficulty there is that you want to write the book that 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 you have enough idea for and enough sort of narrative weight for. Um, and so I was really excited to be able to do this mm-hmm. and to have something, you know? Mm-hmm. And cause I think it's what been seven years, is it since the last book in your modern fairy series? 2007. Okay. Yeah. Time, so, yeah. so, um, so, but you felt, did you find it very easy to uh, kind of slip back into the world of the Fae and that sort of thing? In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. I mean, one of the things about like having written the modern fairy tale series and also, you know, spider work with, with, with Tony, mm-hmm. um, is that <laughs> used up a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, I used up a lot of my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did actually, I did a graphic, not three graphic novels, like good neighbors. So a lot of fairy stuff. And so, um, there was some degree of like, what's left, what, what haven't I done that I really love? Um, that I can find and 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 pull into the story, and you know a lot of things. Where well, I was like, well, I've done that one. Wait, no, I've also done that one, and um, yeah. So that was that was the hard thing. Mm-hmm. That, that was actually one of my questions. I wondered, like, did you end up finding some things? Were there some yes. elements of fairy lore? What were a few of the things that you, if it's not too spoilery? No, no, no. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I realized I hadn't done a lot with the Earl King, mm. um, and that that would be fun to do. Uh, I and I think the setting being slightly different was a was um, a great help to me. Um, you know, with the modern fairy tales, uh, they're very urban and suburban, 
Mm-hmm. And this is much more rural and it, the setting, like the, the small town and the weirdness of the small town um, was very helpful in terms of moving away from some of the same images and some of the same, you know, uh, situations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, aside from the sort of surface connection, you know, through sort of the world of uh, the fairies, did you see connections between this and the modern fairy titles at all? Or do you see them as really fully distinct? I think of them as happening in the same world. There's a there's a small reference in Darkest Part of the Forest to something that is going on in the modern fairy tales. So, I mean, I think that they're happening, you know, just to the side of one another. Mm-hmm. Is that a little uh, a little gift for the fans, possibly? A little. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's easy to go to the same. Like, I, I always like that interconnectivity if it's at all possible. Um, I know it's something that when I was a young reader and I was reading, um, you know. Like Emma Bull and Terry Winling and um, Jane Yolen and finding little pieces, little references to each other's work, mm-hmm. um, or you know, finding a piece of something in one in one work that you don't think is in the same world as another is always really exciting. I mean, I remember um, reading um, Meet the Austins and and uh, the um, the Wrinkle in Time series, mm-hmm. and there's this moment when the characters meet. It's like. 10 books in or something and it just blew my tiny mind. <laughs> so anytime I can create any sense of interconnectivity, I want to do it because I know how much it made me feel like the world was bigger. Yeah. Didn't, didn't those books even have a uh, little timelines, I think in them at some point in terms of the, the family trees and that sort of thing. That seems like it would have been helpful. I'm not <laughs> sure I ever stumbled on that, but I do rem- like, I do remember when they came together and I completely was not expecting it. I didn't think they were happening in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with this one, you, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the glass coffin imagery before. Did, mm-hmm. um, obviously, it does, there's no, uh, there's not exactly a, a Snow White aspect to this story. But do you feel like you can't sort of can't help but uh, think of uh, Snow White hanging out in the forest in her uh, glass coffin as well a bit? Absolutely. I mean, it's you know, it has it has certain Snow White elements. It can't it can't not when you put someone in a, in a coffin and put them to sleep. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you, you're you're drawing on that particular fairy tale, and I think that. Um, in addition to sort of fairy folklore, fairy tales, I've just a lot of rich stuff to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the idea of this town sort of trying to capitalize a bit on its connections <laughs> to the Fae. Um, though considering how deadly uh, visiting Fairfold can be, I, I'm a little surprised the uh, the National Guard or something hasn't uh, swooped in. Right. There's there's some discussion definitely with um, with my critique partners about like what do you do like how do you how do you navigate how real this would be or what, what people, you know, what people might do. And so I had to make decisions about whether or not I thought that the fairies sort of had enough um, magic to keep the town like just removed enough that people would never come, mm-hmm. you know, and whether or not just sheer skepticism you know, would, would, you know, be in, like, I imagine, you know, the sort of TV special where someone comes out to Fairfold and debunks, you know, whether or not the coffin can be real, but it is, it is hard when people are probably disappearing in mm-hmm. the town, but you know, people disappear. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, really what good is military weaponry against, uh, you know, creatures that are going to make you sob uncontrollably, you know? So. I assume people come down there and, you know, investigate and for whatever, like I, I had to assume that there was some level of magic that when your sort of first round of investigators came, they just left. They just mm-hmm. thought, you know, for whatever, like they were able to sort of be magicked into being like, no, there's no problem here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you mentioned yeah, the critique uh, partners. Is that a, a pretty big part of your, your process with this and other books? It is. It is. I, I definitely rely heavily upon my critique partners um, because I have a tendency to um, start projects and not and and want to talk about them because I almost never know where I'm going entirely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll start with, uh, you know, I'll start, I have a premise, I'll write a couple of chapters, and then I will go to my critique partners and be like, what is it that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. What have I done here? <laughs> here are like the seven different things I think might happen. You know, give me your thoughts, friends. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I find it's very useful to have to explain out loud what it is I want to do, because a lot of times in my head, I can't see too far. Um, you know, I'm in the protagonist's head. They can't see too far. And so neither can I. And actually, like, you know, having to explain it and having to, you know, explain the bits like, well, why isn't the, why isn't the National Guard come? You know, mm-hmm. you know, how do they get from point A to point B? Um, what, you know, what, what does this character feel about the situation? Actually having to say that stuff out loud helps me think about it in new ways. Um, I'm very much a, I need to talk about my book while I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, if the uh, if the glass coffin was sort of the the imagery that led you mm-hmm. into, into the story, how did the um, the relationship between Hazel and Ben sort of uh, develop for you? Well, that was sort of the, the second thing that I knew that um, that I wanted both of them to have been engaged with the process of telling stories about the prince. I wanted to write a little bit about what it's like to make up, um, <clears throat> you know, this whole background for someone who you know and and none of it's real you know they've made up a story of who he is and he's not that person and you know that really interested me the idea of when you tell a story like how much are you then committed to the story how much are you in love with the story you know how much can a real person um no matter how fantastical how much can they break out of your idea of who they are um and so I was really interested in that. I was interested in, in like what it meant that they both ha- were in love with him. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are when you're young and you have, you know, you're in say say you love a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, you really want your best friend to also love that same per- like that same rock star. You often are brought together by the love of the similar bands. Mm-hmm. But if that person was in front of you, it would be actually deeply problematic <laughs> that, you, that you both love that person. Um, and so. You know, I wanted to sort of play with that, and what does that mean? And um, and that led me to a lot of structural decisions that were a little bit tricky. You know, how, how I would introduce all of this information, and how would I would introduce their backstory, and how I would sort of stagger it so that you would get it when you needed it. This was actually it was it was tough. I, I um, beat my head against this book a lot. <laughs> Um, so, you know, as we said, it's been a few years since the, the Tithe books, and mm-hmm. you've had plenty of work in between. Do you, do you still hear a lot from readers about the, that series? I do. I do, which is really uh, amazing and, and uh, really great um, that they still have a life, that they still are out there, uh, that they're still in print. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, you know, they were my first books, and I'm really proud of them, and so I'm glad people like them, and I hope that those people will like this book because that's the thing that that's the other thing that's scary is after so much time away and you you know you write another book about fairies, you hope that the people who loved your original fairy books will also like this one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also uh, been working, uh, you've been pretty active on sort of the middle grade side of uh, this, you know, this past year uh, was the first book in your Magisterium series with Cassandra Clare. Um, how has the, how has it been to get a chance to sort of collaborate with another writer on uh, a project? Well, Cassie is one of my critique partners and I've okay. known her for 12 years. Hmm. Um, and so it's been really, really fun. Uh, you know, she is a great first drafter and I am, as you probably, as, as you can deduce from me talking about my process, uh, idiosyncratic first drafter. <laughs> and so, um, it's been really, it's been great because she's like, no, we will sit down and write this chronologically and without, you know, suddenly going back and making a massive change. And I'm like, really, this seems different <laughs> than my normal way. She's like, no, we will plan it out beforehand and then we will write it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's actually been really great to first draft in a more regular and, um, and, and, uh, straightforward way. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I can learn to do it for myself. Huh. Uh, did I see that the two of you are about to head to Europe? We're going to Germany. Um, yeah, we're going on, uh, Friday. Ah, Excellent. Everything's all set. You're, uh, have you been uh, before? I have not been in Germany since I was like 12. Mm, with my parents on that like a weird European vacation where they go to Europe and then rent a car and drive across Europe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be very different coming back as a, as a professional. Mm-hmm. Lots of forests there. Lots of dark, dark forests. Dark forests. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, a great fairy, great fairy folklore there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since, also since the last time that we spoke on the podcast, your middle grade novel, Dollbones, uh, received a Newbery honor. Um, what, what was it like getting the phone call? Um, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's even hard to think about how you can concept. Like, I feel like as a genre writer and as someone who grew up reading genre, it really feels like, you know, the Newbery being the stamp of good books. Um, I, I never really connected myself with that. And so it was very, very surreal. Um, I had a, I, you know, my son was about eight months old at that time and he was, he was, um, cranky and therefore in bed with us. And so, um, I was sleeping, he was sleeping, my husband was sleeping, hmm. I got the call. And he did not wake up during the call. Hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they, the librarians, they sound very, uh, they, they're very, very happy. They're, you know, yelling in the background. They seem underslept. Yes, very. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was amazing. And I, you know, was sort of trying to think of what even, you know, what even to say. And then they hung up and baby was still asleep. Everything seemed great. And then I got like four more calls from other people. And then the baby woke up and my husband gave me a dirty look and went to the back room with the baby. But I didn't care. And I capered around the room. <laughs> and it was amazing. And then I went and listened to the whole um, podcast. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, the, yeah, the, web, the simulcast kind of thing. Yeah, the simulcast thing. Um, and, uh, you know, was sort of like tweeting um, along with it. And later someone said, I should have known, I should have known that they were going to announce you because why else would you be awake at six months? <laughs> Let's keep that in mind next year. We'll see what, <laughs> yeah. Let's see what authors are on Twitter. <laughs> um, is there anything else you're uh, working on at the moment you can talk about? Um, I actually am trying to figure out what I want to do um, now that I am, you know, we're into book three of Magisterium. Darkest Part of the Forest is coming out. And I'm thinking that I might go back to 
the very first project that I ever tried to start, which was a high fantasy. Mm. And I, because there were so much, there was so much world building, you know, all the streets need names, all the coins need names, all the characters need names, the other <laughs> kingdoms need names. Um, I panicked and ran away from it. And now I'm thinking about going back. Excellent. And um, will uh, your fans be able to see you sort of out on the road once this book does come out in January? I'll be out in January. Um, I'll be in probably some of Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Massachusetts. So, yeah, I'm going to do some events and I and we can talk about anything they want to talk about because that is the great thing about a standalone. <laughs> That's right. So this is um, I know there is certainly a degree of finality to the conclusion. Do you feel like this is it for these guys? This is it. They had a they had a hard time. Sure, they're, you know, they're feeling a little better by the end, them that made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's been really it's been really fun to do standalones. I think that probably after this, though, the next thing I'm going to do is a series. But, man, there's just such a great joy in, in writing a standalone and having it be done and complete and um, over. You know, and when it comes out, you're not frantically working on the next thing, as I am with Magisterium. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent. Well, you thank you know thank you again for speaking with me and have a great time in Germany. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Uh, once again, I've been speaking with Holly Black, whose new novel, The Darkest Part of the Forest, will be published by Little Brown in January. Thank you for listening to PW Kidscast. Cast.